Life Audio. Today's episode is kind of like a two for one deal because Psalm 117 is actually the not just the shortest psalm, but the shortest passage in all of scripture. It's only two verses. And so we're going to take Psalm 117 and 118 together today. I pray it blesses you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are going through two Psalms, Psalm 117 and Psalm 118. And the reason for that is Psalm 117 is only two verses long. It's the shortest passage in scripture. And so I thought we would just couple that together with Psalm 118. Uh, That's kind of a natural way to talk about them. If you are just joining us and you're wondering why we're talking about the Psalms on the Hearing Jesus podcast, I want to just share with you that the reason why we do that is because the Psalm book was the hymn book and the prayer book of both Jesus and the disciples. And in fact, it's referenced more than any other book of the Old Testament. And so in our thought process of wanting to understand the heart of Jesus more clearly, I thought it was really helpful to understand some of the things that he was pondering in his heart. Every Monday, I send out a newsletter for you if you want to dive a little bit deeper and use these as your audio devotionals. Every Monday, I send out a journaling prompt that goes along with each one of these episodes. And that is the current series. If you would like the previous episodes journaling prompts, you can go to shehears.org and go to the resources page and you can see the Psalms books there. And those are guided journals that include both a link to the audio devotional, the key verse for the day, the journaling prompt for the day, and then some space to actual journal. And you can either print those out or use them on an iPad or however you see fit. But again, it's just another resource to help you get this information from your head into your heart. I'm going to be reading from the NIV today. And starting in verse one of Psalm 117, it says, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Now, if you have spent time in church, you probably recognize a lot of those words. They've been used a lot to write praise songs, worship songs, and um, they're read a lot of times in different kinds of, of services. But Psalm 17, of course, is the shortest of all the songs in the book, and it's the shortest chapter in the whole Bible. But the psalm was part of the Passover liturgy, meaning it was sung along with other members of the psalms that we've been talking about in the last couple of days, Psalm 113 and Psalm 114. It would have been sung before the meal. 
So this is a, a hymn that essentially calls on everyone, meaning all the nations, all the peoples, to worship the Lord who demonstrates this perpetual love, this idea of love, has said, loyalty, this idea we've been talking about over the last couple of months, and faithfulness toward his people. And so these divine characteristics that are promised by the covenant are applied here to all people on earth. And during the Old Testament period, we hear of just a few people from the nations like Ruth or Naaman or like Uriah the Hittite. We hear of just a few people who join Israel in praising God. That was actually pretty exceptional. But in the New Testament, the jo- the Gentiles join the Jewish people a lot in their praise of God through Jesus. And so Paul speaks of Jesus and he says in Philippians chapter two, he says, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I think that's important for us to recognize that there's no discrimination within the body of Christ, that that Jesus is available to all people everywhere. And so we see Paul quote this verse a couple different places in Romans 15, and then three other passages we see it also in the New Testament, I'm sorry, the Old Testament, we see it in Second Samuel chapter 22, we see it in Psalm 18 and Deuteronomy 32. Isaiah in chapter 10 and then also chapter 19 uses it to urge Jewish Christians to accept the inclusion of the Gentiles, but culturally that wasn't widely accepted until much later and we read about that in the New Testament. So moving on to Psalm 118, and again, I'm going to be reading this from the NIV. Verse one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord save us. Lord grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever.
There's a lot to get through today with this psalm. Psalm 18 is the one that talks about essentially the stone that the builders rejected. And so the psalm opens up with the psalmist calling on the congregation to join him in thanking God. We see that in verses one through four. And then he goes on to relate the occasion that leads him to worship. And so if you remember what we've been talking about in the last couple psalms, I think this is pretty similar. He has been surrounded by enemies but God helped him and aided him. And so this interaction between this individual psalmist and the congregation is pretty easy to explain because the psalmist is the leader of a group that has been saved. And so he thanks God for saving him, but his rescue is in this context of the rescue of the group. And so it's possible that the psalmist was actually the king or possibly the head of the army. The worship is taking the form of a procession into the sanctuary. And so we can see this psalm is a corporate Thanksgiving psalm, and it is led by an individual, but he's expressing gratitude on the behalf of not just himself, but the whole congregation, the whole group. This psalm is the final song in the Hallel, which is the group of songs that was traditionally sung during Passover in celebration of the Exodus. And so perhaps this psalm is reflecting a reading that is talking about the deliverance from that bondage that, of course, it freed Israel from its enemies and then eventually brought them to this altar at the Temple of Mount Zion. We don't know 100% for sure because it doesn't go into that specific detail, but the general sense is that this is the psalmist that is thanking God for his deliverance on behalf of a people group. Going down to verses 1 through 4, it talks about how his love endures forever. And so the psalmist is calling this congregation to essentially praise God on the basis of how he is showing his enduring love. Again, that word has said loyalty, that loyal kind of love. And then he calls on Israel, then the priests, and then the rest of God's people when he says those who fear the Lord. So when he says um, he calls on Israel, then the priests, when he's talking about the house of Aaron, those are the priests. And then when he talks about those who fear the Lord, that's God's people. So he's calling on these groups to affirm the truth of his enduring love. We're going to take a quick break right here. And when we come back, we'll get into the rest of Psalm 118. Stay tuned. So now we're jumping down to verses five through seven, where the idea is the Lord is with me. So the psalmist is now looking to the past to explain why he has this reason to offer thanks to God. So at first, he's speaking in general terms. He talks about being hard-pressed, but God brought him to a spacious place. And so verses 6 and 7 explain that this difficult situation was caused by his human enemies. And most likely, we think this was probably a battle by that verbiage. But with God as the divine warrior on his side, no human could hurt him. And so the fact that God is with him indicates that he is in this covenant relationship with God. And then going down to section uh, 8 through 14, where it's talking about the refuge in God. Verses 8 and 9 are forming this kind of like a staircase parallelism where the first part is identical, but then the second part is different. And so the point of both of that is that God is providing better protection 
with his human allies, even if they are powerful princes. And so his enemies were as numerous and dangerous as a hive of bees. That's, you know, if you think about a hive of bees, how many, there's countless, countless of them. That's the illusion that he's making there. And so he's fighting in the name of the Lord and he destroyed them. And so that refrain that is repeated three times, I cut them down. It's an indication that he had a complete military success, but that was thanks to God, despite being initially at this advantage. And so again, another reason for him to praise the Lord. And then going down to verse 15, God's help in the battle is what is leading not just the psalmist, but this group of people of the righteous people that are following God. That's what's leading them to rejoice the way that God helped them in that battle. And so verses 15 and 16 are talking about their praise for God's right hand. That's repeated three times. And that is an indication that is talking about this power in battle. We see that in Exodus 15. We see it elsewhere in the Psalms. We see it in Isaiah. And so the idea that mighty things That is specifically talking about a victory on the behalf of this people group. So the psalmist is celebrating, of course, his own survival in the battle where he says, I will not die, but live. And he's recognizing that there was this difficulty that was a result initially of his own sin, which led to the way that God was chastening him, but that God restrained from punishing him and giving him what he deserved. I think that is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. But then the psalmist is determined to praise God. He says, I will proclaim what the Lord has done. And again, it is this natural overflow of his heart when he has experienced this relationship with God, his hand of intervention, it produces in him this desire to praise God. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience for me, and I've talked about this before, for me, when I've had God's hand of deliverance, I can't help but talk about it and tell people about it. I mean, it's part of the reason why I have a podcast and I write books. And so what we're seeing here in in a very human way is the expression of this heartfelt praise that is coming as a response to God's intervention on the behalf of not just the psalmist, but this people group. And so He's now going to do this publicly at the temple. And while the temple isn't explicitly mentioned, we know that it's referenced when it talks about the gates of the Lord. And it's that's, of course, where the righteous may enter. And it is a liturgy that is used in that temple worship setting. Jumping down to verse 22, when it talks about the cornerstone, when the people were hard pressed, it says they were like the stone the builders rejected, useless and cast off. But because God intervened on their behalf, they are now like the cornerstone, which is the most important stone in the building. And and if you think about this in terms of actually what a cornerstone was, there was special care taken to select that stone. And it was well cut and it was precise because it was what was going to be used to stabilize the intersection of two walls at a corner. So they couldn't just use any field stone. It was intentional the way that 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 stone was shaped. And so that's what the psalmist is saying here, that now he's like the cornerstone, that they are like the cornerstone that is going to be a foundational piece of what God is going to use to continue to declare his name to his people. This psalm is a Thanksgiving song, but it also looks to the way that God has intervened in the past how the way he's currently inter- intervening and he's still, the psalmist is still appealing to God 
asking him to maintain this presence, this saving presence with them moving forward. And I love that. I think that's such a powerful example for us for the way that we can pray and should pray. If I think about the times that God has intervened on my behalf, I don't want that presence of God, that saving presence of God to disappear. I think it's really important for us to recognize that that is part of his nature. That's who he is. When it says in verse, I'm going to jump down to verse 28 and 29, his love endures forever. I think that is an important aspect that we don't want to overlook. Because of the way that God is full of grace and acts on behalf of the psalmist and this people group, the psalmist is reaffirming this covenant commitment to God, and he's giving this whole psalm a sense of closure. It's kind of reiterating the opening statement, and, and then he's calling on the congregation to give thanks to God who is good and whose love endures forever. And so Psalm 118 certainly is this corporate psalm of thanksgiving that is celebrating this military victory. But the worship then turns into this religious procession at the temple and and eventually the altar. And the psalm is used eventually as part of the Passover liturgy, meaning they're going to continue to use this psalm to connect its contents to the exodus from Egypt. And even in anticipation of Jesus, because Jesus is the fulfillment of that exodus event, the gospels quote the psalm, when they are narrating the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And after he enters the the temple, the people greet him by using verses 25 and 26 of our psalm. Let me read it again for you. It says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. And so when that is quoted in the New Testament, they are recognizing Jesus as the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and the praise is repeated by the children in the temple courts. We see that in Matthew chapter 21. It's also written about in Mark chapter 11, Luke 19, and John 12. And so Jesus himself cites verses 22 and 23 in the parable of the tenants. Let me read that. 22 says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. And so when we see Jesus himself quoting this passage, we have to recognize like what I said at the onset of today's episode, I say it almost every episode, is Jesus knew this psalm. Jesus knew all the psalms, but here he's using it to talk to the temple authorities at his time. And he's challenging the authorities by comparing them to the tenants who rejected the owner's servants standing for the prophets who came to collect the rent and then ultimately rejected and killed the owner's son. Um, if you want to go back and read that, that passage, I would encourage you to. But the owner's son in that parable is talking about Jesus himself. And so when he cites Psalm 118, Jesus is talking about being the rejected stone who then has become the cornerstone. And so God accomplished this transformation through the resurrection of Jesus. And so the tenants, which are the temple authorities, will lose the vineyard, which is the kingdom of God. And so Jesus again 
cites this psalm one last time at the end of the seven woes of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees when he is anticipating their judgment. And if you think about this, how many times do we see Psalm 118 specifically used by Jesus in teaching moments? Peter also used Psalm 118 when he was talking kind of like in the messianic sense in reference to the crucifixion, when he mentions the stone the builders rejected. And then he talks about how the resurrection has become the cornerstone. That is the reason why we study the Psalms. That is the reason why it is so important to understand what the Psalms actually say, because otherwise you're not going to understand some of the things that Jesus talks about when he is teaching in the parables. So given that insight, I'm going to go back to Psalm 118, starting in verse one. And I want you to kind of just maybe think through the, some of those thoughts as we read this together. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surround me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation." Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Father God, we just come to you with thankfulness in our hearts, much in the same way as the psalmist did so many years ago, as we look to the ways that you have intervened on our behalf and you have given us salvation when we deserve death. Lord, we recognize the way that the cornerstone is the resurrection. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be part of that resurrection truth that we could have eternal life because of who you are. God, I pray for my friends today that they would be overwhelmed with your love for them, that they would recognize your hand in and through their lives and the way that you've called them to yourself. I thank you for that redemption. Lord, we praise you because you are Lord and you have made your light shine upon us. We, we come to you humbly recognizing that we are forever indebted to you. We thank you and praise you in all things. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little bit of one-on-one? -on -one? 
I don't know about you, but sometimes when I go through the scriptures or I go through the biblical concepts, I find myself thinking, okay, but how do I actually apply that in my life? Or if you've come to this podcast, it's likely because you desire to hear Jesus more clearly, to be confident in what he's saying in your life, the way he's leading you. I want you to know that I offer life coaching and spiritual direction. And while the two are similar, they're also kind of different. Life coaching is when we set goals and and I help hold you accountable and help break those down into bite-sized manageable pieces to help you achieve those goals. But spiritual direction takes it one step further. We invite Jesus into the process. And through spiritual direction, the goal of that really is to help you hear God's voice more clearly. And so there's things that we will do like prayer projects and spiritual gifts testing and a life map and all sorts of things to help you get to a place where you can see this thread of redemption that God has woven throughout your life. And then also to set you up so that you can hear God's voice for yourself. Because ultimately, the reason why I do the, the podcast and I write the books and I have all the resources available is because I want you to settle into this place where you are confident in knowing the difference between God's voice, your own voice, and the enemy's voice. So if that sounds like something that you would like to do, um, life coaching right now runs about $97 for an hour. And that's for one person. I also have group rates available. And if you want to schedule that, it's if you go to shehears.org, you can go, there's a Calendly link where it says work with me and you can set up a time that works for you. I would count it an honor and a privilege to be able to walk alongside of you in that process. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.